I don't know. Honestly, I kind of struggled moving from the military over to the civilian world because the military just operates very differently. It's very straight to the point, you know. Um, and then, like, there's bad apples in every organization. But even, like, the bad apples in the army, like, there's some motivation for them to kind of want to do their job well. Whereas, like, in the civilian world, like, if you hire someone, they just suck. Like, oftentimes, they don't really care that they suck. Like, as long as they got paid, like, they don't care. So I kind of struggled with that sense. Um, but, I don't know, project management, stress. Uh, thankfully, my partners were also military, so we were all kind of on the same page. And we were able to kind of find our strengths and weaknesses and work off of those. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, I'm interviewing Camille Baldiga, and we're going to be talking about what it's like to live a life in the military, to leave there, and to become a real estate agent and investor. Uh, Camille currently has eight properties and growing, and so this is obviously his journey towards financial freedom. So we're going to talk about the day. Maybe you're in the military or we're in the military, or maybe you're just looking for a little bit of financial freedom in your life. This story hopefully will help you along that path. So Camille, thank you for joining us today. Tell us a little bit about uh, the military and what led you to start investing. The military. Well, I appreciate you having me, first and foremost. Um, I mean, the military was great. It's probably the greatest decision I made in my life thus far. I'm only 27 at the moment. But uh, when it was time to go and kind of my values shifted, I mean, it was just time to go. So I just went into real estate. Yeah. And so basically the military ends. And was it just like, mm -hmm. hey, I need a new source of income? Were you getting, like, were a lot of people in the military talking about you should be in real estate? How did you become aware of it? So I actually found out about real estate investing while I was stationed in Korea. So really my real estate journey, I like to think, started while I was still in the military. Um, while I was in Korea, it was 2019. It was like the first time I was really separated from all outside influences, you know, friends, family. Um and it really just gave me the opportunity to kind of figure out who I was and what I actually value in life. And at that time, I was a huge Dave Ramsey fan. I don't know if you're familiar. Very. All debt is bad and all that stuff. So I paid off all my college loans and I was debt free at that time. And I just kind of sat there. I'm like, all right, now what? So then I started thinking, all right, dream life. I want a nice truck. I want some like hunting land, you know, spend time with the kids. I'm like, yo, in order to really save up that kind of money i'm gonna be working for years and i'm like there's got to be a better way it was actually one of my warrant officers that told me to look into real estate investing which got me uh looking into adpi uh active duty passive income bigger pockets so really that like for like eight months during my year in korea i was just learning about real estate how to invest and when it was time to pcs essentially move to north carolina to come to fort bragg I was like, all right, I'm either doing it or I'm not. So I got here, I got in touch with five pillars. Shelby Osborne was my realtor, which was also a former vet. And um, yeah, just made it happen. Awesome. And we'll be having her on the show very soon too. So very, very yeah. cool. So ADPI, so that was, that was kind of the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. What did you need to know to be able to start taking action? Was the idea enough or what did it take for you to start taking steps? Oh, man. That's a good question. I mean, I've always kind of been, like I said, I came to the point where I was like, I'm either doing this or I'm not. And then once I saw the power of passive income, 
Like essentially you're replacing your income. It's not, you're not putting in time like you would at a regular W-2 job in order to get payment. Um, so that was really the big part for me. And then the big like mental shift, I mean, everybody says it, but rich dad, poor dad, as soon as I read that book, just, you know, switch flipped, I took the red pill and I was like, yeah, no, this is actually feasible. It's not for some like, you know, monopoly man out there that has billions of dollars that's buying real estate, like anyone can do it. Yeah. So you ended up buying eight properties in I think a relatively short period of time, like walk us through how that all transpired. How'd you find these deals? How'd you put them together? Yeah. So when I was still in the military, um, Shelby Osborne was my realtor. Uh, long story short, they asked me to leave the military and become a real estate investor with them as an agent. And, uh, Thought about it for like 15 seconds at a Korean restaurant. I was like, all right, let's do this. So then there was also a couple other former military guys uh, that also decided to become agents. And we just got together, partnered, and we just decided to buy up a bunch of properties and turn them into Airbnbs at the time. Um, during that time, Shelby helped me get my first house, which I house hacked. And yeah, just acquired a couple more after that. Um, but we've just kind of been trucked along since then. So you were buying these on house hack, right? So essentially you were using your VA loan to buy them. You were living in a part of it and renting out the rest. Were you buying mm -hmm. one a year or what was your tempo? So first house that I bought was a VA loan. I house hacked that. After that, I think I bought five properties right away with uh, the guys that I met at the real estate team. Um, and that was all probably within a year, to be honest having a hard time remembering because it was a lot. But yeah, we just started buying up left and right. And to tell the truth, I think we went a little bit too fast because, um, you know, beginner mistakes. Uh, after that, I moved out of that first house that I bought personally with the VA loan, moved into another one uh, with my now fiance. And then we house hacked this one for a little while until all of our military friends moved away. And it's just us two during that over, probably after, no, it was a little bit before that. Sorry, I'm... Trying to get the timeline right. A little bit before that, though, um, while I was still living at that original house, I helped my girl, my now fiance, get her first property, which she has hacked for a little bit. And that's kind of merging all our portfolios together. Cool. And so you're buying five or six properties right away. A lot of these are going to Airbnb. Obviously, Airbnb is shifting a little bit. Some people are getting a lot less bookings, et cetera. Prices are maybe coming down a little bit. When you underwrote these deals, like, were you underwriting for long-term rental just in case, or like, how has the shift impacted you? Yeah. So I am actually super thankful that me and the guys thought ahead and we're like, Hey, let's just in case, let's make sure these things work as long-term rentals, um, before we turned them into Airbnbs. And that played into our favor a lot, especially when the market shifted here because Airbnbs became the hot new sexy thing, especially in Fayetteville. So you get the oversaturation and then, I mean, the economy is doing what the economy is doing right now. You got less people traveling. Thankfully, we got a little bit of a buffer here on the base just because there's family always visiting, military members, graduations and all that. But um, we still decide to convert a bunch of them because the rental rates have gone up uh, with the interest rates on the properties going up. And we're just like, hey, it's less of a headache. It's less cash intensive and it's just simpler and we'd make more money. So let's just turn them into long terms. Nice. So that's obviously a really, really wise thing you guys did underwriting it for both scenarios. So talk to me about acquisition. Like, how did you guys find these properties? We, so we were 
investor agents. Uh, we worked a lot with wholesalers and a lot of our properties came from wholesalers. Um, some of them, my partners found, I honestly couldn't tell you where they just shot me the deal and I took a look at it and it made sense at the time. So we just pulled the trigger, but most of them were from wholesalers. Cool. Right on. Which is a really good strategy, right? Cause obviously if you're getting them from wholesalers, a lot of times you're, you're getting them at, I mean, at least market, if not well below. So when you're taking these down, did you guys have to take them down cash? Cause you were getting them from wholesalers or were you guys doing conventional? How were you guys putting them together? Uh, we were financing a lot of them. Uh, I used a personal loan of mine to acquire one of the properties with the guys. Um, but then we had commercial loans because we started an LLC and then we ended up burring most, actually all of them, but one. Cool. So you put them in an LLC and then obviously use it as a business or an entity based financing as opposed to, which yes. I mean, like if you're talking about like a DSCR debt service coverage ratio type of loan, a lot of times these interest rates are a lot higher. What, what did the interest rate look like on some of these properties? I think our highest interest rate right now, and don't quote me, but I think it's like 5.65, which at the time when interest rates were like sub 3%, uh, sounded crazy, but now, I mean, totally unintentional, but I feel like a fucking genius. <laughs> You're right. And you guys probably got like, it was like 25, 30 year fixed debt. Yep. Solid. Solid, solid. All right, cool. So you go ahead, you go to wholesalers, great strategy, buy these properties and they're cash flowing long-term. So you're, you're really in good shape. Now the market's shifted, things are happening, interest rates are higher. What's the game plan moving forward the next, you know, couple of years? Uh, so next couple of years, we actually took a pause on buying properties at the moment. So I'm moving uh, with my fiance to Wisconsin because she's in the military, her Time's going to be up soon. Uh, so we're really just saving money for a wedding and trying to move and get our roots planted. Um, as far as the properties out here that we currently have, we're kind of just in a fix and maintain. Like I said earlier, we went a little bit too fast. And it's one thing when you're working on one property and a problem arises, right? But when you're working on five and then, you know, those properties grow ex or the problems grow exponentially. So it was a massive headache. We had a couple bad run-ins with a couple contractors, which we're still finding out problems and just kind of dealing with it. So we're kind of more in that fix and maintain mode right now. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. 
If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Yeah. So now that you've gotten a little bit of a taste, right? It's like people get married and like, you know, before the mayor, before the ceremony, it's like everything is roses. And then, then you get to find out what really yeah. goes on, right? A couple of years, five, 10 years in, and you start to find out like what it's really like. So now that you've had a glimpse of contractors and, and the problems, how does it feel? Uh, I mean, I'm really glad to be over all those. Well, I like to think I'm over most of the hurd hurdles at this point, but um, I don't know. It's kind of refreshing to know that I learned a lot from my mistakes um, and just I'll be wiser going forward. I think that's just a comforting thought to me. Does that answer your question? It sure does. And this is, this is kind of the journey, right? Like, cause you've got like the preconceived and I mean, we're obviously trying to help agents become investors, like what you've done. We're trying to help people experience greater levels of freedom. And it's like a lot of people describe, and I've, I've been guilty of this myself. They talk about it being, you know, uh, passive income, right? Which rentals, as you know, is it, I wouldn't describe it as passive income. Um, and, and a lot of people, they get a gut punch when they buy these properties because they have problems, right? With the property, you've kind of gotten over that. And does it feel like, you know, like it would in a marriage where it's like you have some challenges and then all of a sudden it's like you're in this really amazing stretch because you got through it? Or are you like, man, maybe I should just go do something different? Yeah, I mean, I love it. I'm going to keep doing it. I just feel like I'm getting better at it. So why would I not keep going at it? Yeah, 100%. And it's like the greatest vehicle, as I'm sure both of us are on the same page there, greatest vehicle towards wealth you know, eventual life, freedom, et cetera. So what would you say, like from a military perspective has equipped you to do this better than if you weren't in the military? Oh man. Stress, <laughs> the ability to manage stress. That's definitely one for sure. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I kind of struggled moving from the military over to the civilian world because the military just operates very differently. It's very straight to the point, you know? Um, and then like, there's bad apples in every organization, but even like the bad apples in the army, like there's some motivation for them to kind of want to do their job well. Whereas like in the civilian world, like if you hire someone, they just suck. Like oftentimes they don't really care that they suck. Like as long as they got paid, like they don't care. So I kind of struggled with that sense. Um, but I don't know, project management, stress. Uh, thankfully, my partners were also military, so we were all kind of on the same page, and we were able to kind of find our strengths and weaknesses and work off of those. Military has, like, a That's tremendous awesome. amount of standard operating procedure and oh, yeah. dialing. Does that make it easy for you to install that in your business, or is it almost the opposite where, like, gosh, that was already, already done? So, like, can you describe, like, the value of standard operating procedures and if – and how that kind of goes into your guys' business? Yeah, no, standard operating procedures. I mean, your business will live and die from it. And even if you have one property that you have right now, that's still a business that you need to, you know, start building these standard operating procedures. Um, it's It just leverages things. It makes things simple. And yeah, like I said, you really can't do great without them. It's just such a benefit to work on them. Who builds those in your business? Uh, it was a combination. It was a team effort. Um, I'm kind of more, so I was an officer in the military. I'm more the administrative guy. So I kind of have those down a little bit more. 
but overall it's a team effort. Yeah. And, and how many partners do you have? So I have two other partners at the moment. We had three, kind of had to get rid of one. Yeah. I think that's usually about how it works. I mean, I was actually interviewing a guy earlier today and it's like, not that often where I see there's four or more and everybody gets to stay, right? Usually if it's just four, some, someone's going in a different direction. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, plus, I mean, when you think about like the functions of the business, like, I mean, generally, like if you're really well aligned, you've got marketing, sales, like, I mean, when you break it out mm-hmm. in departments, usually like there's like a core three that, uh, you know, start to emerge. So, so you're doing a lot of the administration, like how do the other partners function in the business? Uh, so one of our guys is, he actually started his own property management company. So he started his Airbnb property management company, and now he does long-term rentals. So he's our property manager and he does a killer job at it too. So, I mean, he's, he's our kind of boots on the ground guy helping us out there. Uh, the other guy was just kind of all over the place. He helped in every aspect, kind of a flex guy. Uh, if there was work that needed to be done, I mean, we were all there. I don't know. There's no like real set roles that we had. We just had strengths and weaknesses that we kind of aligned to, but we kind of all did everything together. Um, moving forward though, uh, and it's not like anything went horribly wrong or anything, but we're, each of us kind of just decided like, Hey, we're going on our own path, kind of buying our own properties at this point. Cause yeah. there's pros and cons to having a partnership. Uh, when we first started, obviously if there's three of us, which there was originally before we put on that fourth member, um there's obviously more capital uh you can leverage each other's knowledge in real estate and i mean when there's like issues that come up that you're essentially mitigating the risk amongst three individuals so if i'm out of town and something crazy happens there's like two other guys in the area that can like help out but now it just got to the point where we kind of learned from our lessons and we're like yeah we kind of know how to do everything ourselves and it's like no hard feelings against anyone super thankful for you know working with y'all but um, it just doesn't make sense to buy a property and, you know, have three people being on it to like make decisions because that slows decision making down and then profits as well. Like one property, you might be cash flowing $300, which, you know, it is what it is, but then you divide amongst three people and it's like, all right, well, now you're just getting a hundred, you know? Yeah. Well, and you were moving obviously to be with your, is it you said fiance? Um, mm-hmm. And so you're, you're going to be in a completely different state. And so I'm assuming yeah. you're going to probably want to start investing there. So that makes total sense. So the big attraction then at the beginning was really like to have, to mitigate risk and to have people around you. Um, now that you're comfortable, you feel like going solo is a bit better. Yes. You're good with words. <laughs> I take a while to I, get all that out. I'm very, I'm very curious to see you in two to five or 10 years because I've went through some cycles. And so basically I, like I did a very similar thing, like, okay, partners make me feel better. Okay. Partners, there can be a drag. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm kind of like back full circle to like the right partners. You scale like crazy. Um, yeah. I'm curious to see what your journey looks like. So right now you're holding up on buying You're you're doing wholesaling though, right? That's kind of your next, your next venture is just kind of making some cash. Is that, is that to offset the risk of the market going down and, and just make, maybe being harder to find deals? Uh, definitely part of it, it has to do with just, just harder to find deals right now, uh, which I'm not necessarily worried, worried about pouncing on a deal at the moment. It's really just make cash, but it helps me stay into the business. I mean, with any business, I fully 
expect myself to make mistakes and whatnot. So I figured I might as well learn before I move and then be pretty much good to go when I get to uh, Wisconsin and just kind of take off the business from there. Then, I mean, if you have a good income coming in and then you're the one finding the deals, like, I mean, all the deals are for you at that point. It's just whether you can take them on or not. Yeah. So without getting too personal and you just let me know if I am, basically oh, you went from military income. So military income and then you left, now you're investing. You have these holes, but you're holding with three other or two other people. So mm -hmm. like, how, how do you make money day to day? Like, are the rentals providing enough or like, how do you make your income? So at first it was a struggle because uh, when I got out of the military, obviously that nice steady military paycheck went away. Um, I was a real estate agent. So that kind of helped put some money in. And I was, truth be told, I was an okay agent. I wasn't in love with being an agent necessarily, but I did it because it was a job. Um, so that helped a little bit. Uh, thankfully I'm an OG Dave Ramsey kind of person. So I live super cheap. I mean, I got my living expenses down below like 1400 sometimes. And thankfully North Carolina is like a cheap state, 1400 a month. Yeah. Cause you know, roommates and all that. So I put myself in a good position to take those risks, even though it did get a little sketchy at times. Um, but now I got rental income coming in. Um, I have a little bit of disability from the army coming into, which, you know, it is what it is. I didn't like to count on that, but it's a blessing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, I'm not living like a lavish grand lifestyle right now, but I mean, I'm in a perfect position to take advantage and take risks. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in this, right? I mean, like, obviously everybody kind of dreams of the, you knock it out of the park, you do a million deals and you know, oh, yeah. you have more money than you could ever know what to do with. But the reality is that that's obviously statistically not what happens for most people. Right. And so when it's not happening for you yet, one of the greatest things you could do for yourself is live conservatively to the point where you give yourself more time, more opportunity. So kudos to you, man, for, you know, it sounds like you have a nice blend and balance of the Dave Ramsey principles, right? Live frugally. Yeah. Um, and obviously not like you have to own everything cash um, in order to be safe. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I think it's just a smart way to do it. I can't imagine someone doing it different, honestly. Yeah. Amazing. So what do you see like next 12 to 18 months? What's the vision for your life and for your business? Oh man, wholesale a couple deals. Um, keep just fixing up these properties, you know, making everything more efficient and then pop smoke, head out to Wisconsin, set up shop there and get going. <laughs> it's pretty simple. My life's Life's well, not too complicated right now, which is nice. Love it, man. Awesome. Well, Camille, thanks so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business. For those of you out there listening, maybe like just write down something you learned about this journey. Maybe you're in the military, maybe you're not. But here's the guy who came in. And one of the things I think that was really, really smart about what he did is that he took the long-term rental and the short-term rental income into account and factor that it could work for both. I think if you're only basing off the short-term income, you might find yourself in trouble. Kudos there. But write down, guys, something you learned. Share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. This freedom is acquired one action at a time. And you can take steps day by day before you know you too. We're living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 